we've all heard about the refreshing benefits of a walk in nature, the instant mood lift, stress reduction, and the boost in creativity that follows. But what happens when someone not only hears nature's call, but packs up their bags, says goodbye to the city life, and commits to living up in the clouds? Intrigued? I thought you might be. I mean, sometimes you're quite stressed out when you're actually climbing. This is mountain climber Benny Lieber, also known as Alpine Benny. You know, you're like, this is scary. Like, we are like on a big frozen mountain with snow and rocks and ice. And it, I mean, it's it can be a little scary for sure. Benny knows a little something about the power of a place. He's traded the honking horns of city life for the echoes of mountain peaks. It was like, I just went from having a cool apartment in like sunny, warm Savannah. Everyone's in a good mood. People go out and you have a nightlife. Uh, to all of a sudden, it was like, okay, all we're going to care about now is basically going to the mountain. But Benny's story goes beyond a simple shift in lifestyle. We're delving into what it's like to live at the world's summit, where life's conditions are incredibly harsh, yet surprisingly serene. Benny's love for mountain climbing is a masterclass in how places can push our physical and mental limits, and ultimately reshape the way we view the world. But Benny's life wasn't always filled with high-altitude adventures. As you'll see throughout this episode, he grew up in a pretty conventional urban setting, but made a choice to dramatically change his environment. Together, we'll explore what that transition was like and seek to understand what life in the mountains truly entails. Have you ever felt connected to a place? Well, it turns out that the places all around us hold more power than we think. I'm Julia Suka, your curious guide with a love for coffee, travel, and psychology. In each episode, I chat with experts and explore all sorts of places, from the ordinary to the downright bizarre. Together, we'll venture from the cozy corners of coffee shops that teach us the power of community to the peaks of the world's tallest mountains that dare us to live life on the edge. Join me as I uncover the stories and the science of how our inner and outer worlds connect. You're listening to The Power of Places. I took a mountaineering course. This was sort of the beginning of it. I, I went on a Knowles mountaineering course. And after it, I was like, that's it. I'm going to do this forever, you know? And then it, it sort of took um, a pretty drastic transition to go from just like being a student on this mountaineering course to being like, now I am going to be a climber all the time and know how to do this. Uh, so I kind of entered really like when I left Savannah and went to Washington, I went to Mount Rainier and worked there. I was really like a true novice. I mean, I, I knew like the basics um, and I was in good enough shape, you know, but I wasn't like really in climbing shape. And yeah, it was, it was humbling for sure. But I, I think at that time in your life, you really have nothing to lose. In hindsight, that's how I see it. It's like, well, when you're that age and you finish school, you might as well go try something and go for a big adventure somewhere else, you know, and see what the, what happens. So Benny decided to take the plunge and embark on his journey as a mountain climber. He swapped the comfort of his apartment in Savannah, Georgia, for an old rusty trailer at the foot of an active volcano. Now, eight years later, he looks back at his past life with a whole new lens. It's so different. I mean, the life that I, I, I kind of jokingly refer to it as like my old life, you know, mm -hmm. a moment where I like went to my second life, where I went to the mountains. It's, it's unbelievably different. I mean, yeah, I grew up in a family home with a sibling and, you know, a dog and you can play sports and you 
have friends, you go to school, and then I went to college, and I'm into design, and people are very, like, you know, they wear the business casual, and it's very cool, and they're looking to get these awesome jobs, and um, and then I just basically, like, you know, immediately, actually, when I moved to Washington, I lived in this old, rusty trailer that was parked on this property where a bunch of us lived that worked there. Devoting his life to mountain climbing demanded some pretty big sacrifices. But for Benny, giving up the luxuries of life was the trade-off he made to experience the world from a unique perspective. Yeah, and part of being a mountain climber is just, you gotta be tough, you know? And there's a there's another side to the toughness that isn't the actual being on the mountain, walking up and down it. It's the the life sacrifices, the like, you know, like I didn't have like a, a bathroom with a, a regular toilet and a shower and a heated home. Like I lived in a car. And of course I don't, I never like, that's an intentional thing. Obviously there's people around the world that that's the circumstances of their life, but I got to sort of experience a little bit more about like, yeah, life's not all like, you know, the seacoast of New Hampshire with the nice mowed yard. I, I've kind of moved to saying this phrase in my head of like, the mountains are the way that I'm going to go see the world. It's like mountaineering is how I'm going to go travel around the world. And you get to see everything along the way. You know, like on an expedition, you end up in some airport in some crazy country you've never been to. And it's like you experience it more than the mountains. You only climb a couple of days. It takes so long to get there and get back. And it overall, I guess to come back to your original question of the difference between my life then and now is it's astronomical. I mean, people in my family don't do this. My friends who grew up with, they don't do this. I'm sort of like the black sheep. <laughs> so far, we have a pretty clear picture of what Benny's life looked like before mountain climbing. But for someone like me, who's never ventured into the world of climbing, I was curious about what an expedition looked like for him. Yeah, um, over the last two years, I started working on 8,000 meter peaks, which is about 26,000 feet. Um, and they're sort of like, a, now they become kind of this famous thing, like the 14, 8,000 meter peaks. Um, and they're, yeah, they're the highest mountains in the world. They're all in Asia. They're all big, big expeditions to go there. Um, someday I'd like to go on a personal trip to one and do it a different way, which is a whole nother conversation. But for now, I'm, I'm working there, which is great. I mean, there's not many people that do this of the world of mountain guides. There's only, you know, so many that are actually on these mountains. Um, so I feel really lucky and grateful to be there. Absolutely. But it, it, it is dangerous. And... It's long, you know, an Everest expedition traditionally is 50, 60 days. So, um, yeah, I've been doing that mostly lately. And this past spring, I worked on Everest and I, I worked until basically the last day. Everest is sort of like two mountains. One is slightly taller than the other. This one's Everest and this one's called Lhotse. It's the fourth highest mountain in the world. So it's still like a absolutely gigantic mountain. Um, and they share a coal. So the route goes basically, uh, it's the same route until the last day and you can go to one or the other. So I went to the other one um, and that was my first trip on the mountain and it was great. Yeah. I mean, wow. What an amazing thing. And then the, uh, other than that, the kind of climbing that I really enjoy is going out into some of these quieter Alaskan mountain ranges, which I've done less of since doing that job. But before starting that job, I spent a, quite a bit of time sort of using the the small Alaskan bush plane and 
getting dropped off like way in the wilderness with my friends and you have to keep in mind like you're yeah you're living on the ground you're not going to a nice hot shower every night i mean you're you're not even really going to a heated space like i go to uncold expeditions where you're not going to take off all your layers ever until the trip's over or you're back in town or something like that like this is like you just sort of you know you don't just go on your expedition somebody once said to me you also wear your expedition because you're wearing it like the sweat and the the things you spill on yourself and you burn your jacket on the stove on accident you know all kinds of things it's like you you fell and you tore your pants and now you've got a big tape patch like you're wearing it as i learned about benny's expeditions i found myself wondering how he chooses the mountains he climbs are there mountains that are nearly impossible to conquer? And if so, how does he know which ones are worth the climb? Yeah, oh man, this is like, this is the whole game right here. Is like, what are we going to climb? You know, and can we do it? And do we believe we can do it? I mean, this is what makes famous climbs that have been done, you know, off in the world so amazing when you're involved in climbing. Like, there's such a journey to some of these uh, for example, you know, say we're talking about, say you and I, we're going to go on an expedition. Uh, we want to go climb in Asia on a really big high altitude peak and go to a crazy country and sort of do the whole thing. Um, it's like, where are we going to go? I don't know. You know, it starts with like, oh, we saw photos of this mountain on the internet, or we heard about this region, you know, this range of peaks and they're, they have granite rock and we want to climb granite rock or this, this range is very uh, icy and we know we can ice climb in there. Or if you're a skier, you're like, this is a really snowy range. We're going to go there. And then you try to zone in on like, can we find photos or information or maps, you know, and, and now we have Google Earth. I mean, like you could just get in the valley and like more or less have an idea of what you're going to do. Or, or what it might look like, right? And then, like, how committed are we? Do we want it to be really, really hard, like, for our level? Like, is it going to be the hardest thing we've ever done in our lives? Is it going to be a multi-year project where we need to try several years in a row, you know? Um, there's so many variables. I think at the end of the day, uh, there's sort of this intangible thing in alpine climbers that i'm currently learning more about from people that i consider sort of heroes um that's like a if you're just intangibly attracted to the mountain you can come up with your reasons right like oh i love this wall on it or it has this amazing ice climb on it um, whatever it is you have to want it you know or you're not going to make it to the top and there are other reasons you won't make it to the top like i don't know bad weather or it snowed too much or you made a mistake and didn't bring the right equipment or not enough food or fuel. But at the end of the day, it's like you need to want to make it to the summit, you know. And I think when you see the right mountain that you really want to climb, you're like, I'll put all my money at that. I'll fly across the world. Let's try. If you love to travel like I do, I have some exciting news to share with you. I teamed up with Expedia to bring you exclusive discounts and deals on accommodations, flights and more. Last year, I traveled to Hawaii and stayed at the amazing Twin Fin Hotel, which has stunning views of Waikiki Beach and Diamond Head Volcano. I took a tour of a pineapple farm, tried delicious local food, and even went swimming with the sharks. And guess what? I booked everything through Expedia, 
With Expedia, it was super easy to find unique experiences, affordable flights, and beautiful hotels that made my trip to Hawaii truly unforgettable. By booking through my affiliate link, you not only support the Power of Places podcast, but you also get access to special offers and savings that you won't find anywhere else. So whether you're dreaming of a beachside retreat, a city adventure, or a cozy cabin in the mountains, Expedia has you covered. They offer a wide range of options to suit every budget and every travel style. To take advantage of these exclusive offers, simply click the link in the show notes. It will direct you to the Expedia website where you can browse and book your next travel experience. And remember, when you book through my affiliate link, you're not only getting great deals, but you're also supporting the production of this podcast. So whether you're planning your next romantic getaway, a family vacation, or a solo adventure, make sure to click our affiliate link in the show notes and start exploring the amazing travel options available through Expedia. Now, back to the show. Benny's expeditions demand a high level of endurance. He navigates climbs in complete darkness, tackles high altitudes, and faces extreme weather conditions for months on end. But when I asked about the impact that living in the mountains has on him, he highlighted an issue I hadn't thought about before, something that tends to affect mountain climbers specifically. Well, first of all, this is a little side note. I feel like I'm kind of losing my memory because I keep going to really high altitude. And so some of the climbs that I did like early on, I, I don't really remember them. Like somebody recently asked me or was like, remember that time we did that? And I was like, I don't think I remember that. So this is a thing. I think high altitude affects your memory, which is really a bummer because I consider myself decently smart on these really high 8,000 meter peaks when we do these guided trips we wear oxygen near the summit of the mountain, like usually on the last day or the last two days as we're finally going to the top because the air is, uh, it, there's there's less oxygen that you're getting in your body. The air is basically more spread out. It's not under so much pressure. And so each breath you're not getting, I, I think they say it's like 7% of the amount of oxygen that you get at sea level is what you get on the top of Everest. So the interesting thing here is that people that climb the mountain without oxygen, which by the way, is incredibly badass and awesome. Um, very risky. I mean, this is like extremely high stakes. Uh, a lot of them do have memory loss because they went like way up there and were just hypoxic, like beyond hypoxic, you know, for potentially a few days and they came down and they lived and it was fine, but they've just forgotten a bunch of things over time. <laughs> so far, we've explored some of the physical effects of mountain climbing on Benny and mountain climbers alike. However, beyond the physical challenges, climbing stories often carry profound emotional weight and are sometimes the reason why climbers devote their entire lives to the ascent. As Benny shared one particular story with me, it became evident that life in the mountains transcends physical endurance. For climbers, it's a place to connect. I mean, I, I've had a pretty interesting last year. I, I had this amazing mentor in my life who also became like one of my best friends. Um, and he died in February in a car accident. And we had done all this climbing together the last few years. Uh, it, and even the last, you know, two months that he was alive, like it was the winter. That's sort of our time in Alaska where we go ice climbing and mixed climbing and mixed is basically you're climbing rock and ice with the ice axes so you're doing both back and forth um and we, we we had a great winter we were strong we've been like out every day really fit 
And yeah, he suddenly died. And it was uh, just one of those tragic things that happened to him and, and impacted all of our lives as well. Um, and, and how you respond to hardship, everyone's different. And I felt like throughout my life, I've usually best responded by doing physical activity. Um, and this was like, oh my gosh, my hero, my mentor, kind of the ultimate like climber dude, um, he died. And after about a week of, of sort of feeling really sad, and I, you know, you're always sad about it, but like really sad, like it just happened. Uh, I was like, okay, what are we going to do about this? You know, like him and I were so motivated and our, and our friends as well around us um, to go climbing and he's died. And um, that is an absolute tragedy, but we need to put this energy somewhere. Like there's an energy that's left behind and it's our responsibility to take it and do something with it. And so that video that you watched of that, we call it a pillar, right? It's like coming off of a cave and there's just a huge icicle. Um, I had just before he died, I had, uh, heard about this area that has a bunch of ice like that. And I went on a bush plane ride. One of my friends was really kind to give us a ride. And I, and I saw all this amazing ice and I saw that one, which I didn't know was there. And in the world of ice climbing, seeing a, a pillar like that is like, oh my gosh, how did that possibly form out in the wild? The mountains are amazing. The earth is amazing. We have to climb that you know and it looked hard like it's really steep and I'm, oh geez it's it's like you know 25 30 miles from the road or something and you're it's it's a whole project and so anyway i i sort of took the energy and was like the last conversation that i had with them was about that valley because i sent them all the pictures and i was like we got to go here next year let's do it and so i was like okay we, we got to go climb that that's what we're going to do with this problem. And uh, it was difficult. I thought about coming down off of it a couple of times because it was warm out. And uh, it, it was it was cracked, actually, through the top, which happens from extreme cold. And now it was really warm and kind of water running on it a little bit and getting soft and, and really steep. So quite challenging. And then I was just thinking in my head while I'm like hanging for my ice axes, you know, I'm like, you know what? There's no way I'm turning around on this. Like my best bud just tragically died. This is like one of the ways that we're going to do right by him um, and climb that. And then two weeks later, I got on a plane to Nepal and I worked on Everest and my lifelong dream of, you know, wearing the big down suit in the oxygen tank and you're with all this sherpa the local people from there that work with us on the mountain and made it to the summit and it was like this amazing i, I don't know at, at the moment it felt very like dry like you get up there and you're like you're approaching the summit you're like this is gonna be like we're gonna yell and hoot and holler it's gonna be the ultimate moment and then you actually stand up there and i was kind of alone for a couple of minutes and you're like you sound like darth vader you're on your oxygen so you're like <sighs> And you don't know what to do. It's like, well, what do you actually do? Like, you made it. And I guess you just kind of look around, you know? And so I'm standing there, and I'm, like, holding the final rope. And the summit's this needle. And I and I, I put my hands on the, the crest of the needle and, like, look down the other side. And you're looking into Tibet. It's the border of Nepal and, and Tibet. And looking at this other face of the mountain of Everest that I'd read books about that really inspired me. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm looking at it from above. Like this is insane. Uh, and I looked around and, um, I had this disposable camera that mountain hardware gave 
a bunch of us and um it has you know maybe 27 28 photos on it or something and the first photos i took were with him in alaska ice climbing and i had it in my pocket and there was like a few photos left and i took the last photos up there i sort of felt like a okay like this camera has on it like the last days of his life and then sort of like a here's how we responded and we went to this great mountain and made it, you know. Earlier, Benny shared with us how he was so focused on the future when he started mountain climbing. He was so determined to reach the summit and turn his passion into a career that sometimes it came at the expense of enjoying the journey of getting there. But after eight years in the mountains, he shares some insightful wisdom, not just about climbing, but also about life. Mountain climbing is, it's just really a metaphor for life in a lot of ways. It's like life is this sort of never-ending struggle, right? Even when it's going great, it's like, okay, well, I got this to-do list and I need to constantly take care of these things. Mountain climbing is the same way. We have our distant goal, which is the, the top of the mountain. But just like in life, like the amazing thing is the journey to get there, you know? So the most important part is it's not the top of the mountain. That's like an arbitrary, like, it's over. I, I have one friend, actually, who, who will say, um, you know, the worst part is when we're on the top because he knows it's over. Like, now we're going to go down and go home. And the best part was, like, the hype and, like, getting ready and being in base camp and then starting up the mountain and climbing it. And when you're actually up there climbing it, just like life, like, now you're you're living it, you're doing it, you, you're making progress, you're dealing with obstacles um, in a very real setting. Uh, it, it's like you get to live an entire life just while you climb this one mountain. After immersing himself in an environment that was so different from his upbringing, Benny looks back on his life with a sense of accomplishment. Living in the mountains has given him a fresh outlook on risk-taking and stepping out of comfort zones. In fact, he shares some valuable advice for those looking to make changes to their lifestyle. Well, I think you learn like what to be scared of, which sort of makes the experience. Like your fear kind of drives you it, it kind of you use it to lead you safely or as safe as you can through you know and that's kind of the whole game of just like life i mean same thing and uh a lot of time in the mountains one of the great things is we confront our fears and so then after you know you're sitting there back in base camp and it feels good like you you feel like you like lived you don't have you have less money than you started with you know you have uh answered no emails or phone calls or technology like you're not like doing the real world thing you didn't get a new car or a new job but you like you did this other thing that is worth you know a hundred years like you you lived this mental experience I think one of the best parts is, uh, you know, mountain climbing is not always like intense and scary. Like most of the time you're kind of like relaxed and, and chilling. Like you're, you might just be like sitting on a big patch of snow next to your tent in the sun, drinking some water, eating some food with like the best view in the world. You know, it's not always like, oh my gosh, we're like getting snowed on. And it's really a, a great thing most of the time. And I think one of the really amazing parts about it is sort of the unknowns of like, I don't know, like my friend and I always joke with each other when we're out there, like, ah, it always works out. Well, we don't know like what's going to happen. Like the next day, we don't know, like we might not make it up the mountain or we could wake up and it snowed a foot and we need to go down because it's going to be dangerous or maybe we're traveling and like the Jeep broke 
with all our duffels and us on the side of some road in some Asian Himalayan range. And it's like, what do we do? You know, and you're like, you know what? Let's just enjoy that we don't know, right? Let's just embrace it and we'll do our best. We'll make decisions as best we can, but we're not going to get angry. We're not going to get frustrated. We're just going to take it in and keep trying. And that's, that's what climbing sort of is all about. And so my take on life is not directly re related to mountaineering. Mountaineering is what I do. But for anyone, I'm like, if, you know, if your gut is telling you that your current situation or your plan is not, if you're not really in love with it and like through the roof, like excited and thinking about it all the time, it's not the way to go. Everyone's that way, but that's how I was. When I found mountaineering, I was like, I love it. You know, I'm going to stay up all night and read books about it. And I'm going to, now I like sit in my little gear room and I like tinker with my gear and I text my friends about climbing and I mean all day, you know, I just think about it all day. So that's what I would say to people is like figure out what it is and then just stay in the game. You got to make the sacrifices and try hard and uh, you, you can get there. And there you have it, friends. Benny's journey from city streets to mountain peaks has shown us the true power of a place. Living in the mountains isn't just a physical feat for Benny. It's a way to connect with nature, culture, and people. As we wrap up this adventure, let Benny's story be a reminder that sometimes the most profound changes come from exposing ourselves to the beauty and the challenges of new environments. And, and I love the, the title of your podcast. This is maybe a good note because I, I felt like for me, that's the whole thing is like I to this different kind of environment, right? This different place that's basically a different world than what I came from. And it was like, this is it. I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to figure it out. As my conversation with Benny came to an end, I threw in our bonus question, something I ask all our guests on the power of places. What is your favorite place to be? Oh, I, I just love being out in the big mountains. I mean, I have favorite ranges, you know, like, and I haven't seen them all. I mean, that's one of the great things about the outdoors is it's just endless. Like we'll never, we're just so small. Like people are tiny, you know, they're just not going to see it all. Um, and and I, I just love being out there. That's why I like working on expeditions. I like going on them with my friends. There's something about, yeah, packing all your bags and going to the airport and being like, okay, we're going to do it. And then you end up out there in the world in this valley trekking up you know, to where you, you want to put your base camp for this whole trip and you're seeing a new place and there's sort of a, there's like a, a contentness to it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Power of Places. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. And if you want to dive deeper and connect with listeners just like you, follow me on Instagram at The Power of Places. Until next time, keep exploring and I'll see you in our next adventure.